This is Tara Platt, and you're listening to the Rated NA Podcast at nerdappropriate.com. Welcome to Rated NA episode 46 for the website nerdappropriate.com. We are virtually here together. Yes, this is uh, our first time actually doing all this um, uh, not in the same room. So this is going to be a, a unique experience for us. And I may it's just, awesome. yeah, I, I may do some strange things to see if I can make you guys <laughs> laugh on the webcam. <laughs> I feel like fun. we're in the future. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is how we talked about doing it, and hopefully it'll work the whole time that we're doing it. Well, it was funny because we we talked about this before. So I was uh, listening to Gamers with Jobs, and um, they used to do the same thing. They used to be all in the same room and such, and um, they all had to move away for uh, job reasons. Did they they all get jobs? They all got jobs, and they all had to move (laughs) away, and uh, their podcast sounds really, really nice. And I actually went on their forums and read what they did, and they're pretty much doing what we're doing now. So I guess this is, you know, it's possible. <laughs> Hopefully the audio <laughs> quality, you know, actually holds up and we don't get too many uh, errors. But it's awesome that we're finally to um, a period in history where the Internet is strong enough to to pull this off without sounding like ass, you know? Yeah, yeah, completely. And, and uh, you know, if anybody has any issues with it, please let us know, you know, if the sound is crappy all of a sudden or something. Let me take a little. little we're definitely not against post. hearing yeah. One of you guys may have to work your magic, your technical wizardry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So what have you guys been up to? It's been a couple weeks. We took a week off trying to get this all set up and ready to go. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Like after the holiday I had a nice long break, um, which was filled with uh, a lot of a lot of gaming, which was nice. And then uh went back to work this week and work was actually uh pretty tolerable. And now we we got a nice uh three day weekend thanks to um Martin Luther King's birthday on Monday, so we get three days off, which is awesome. That's cool. All right. How about you, Scott? Uh, I did a little reading. Uh, I read the the um, Star Wars uh, Revan novel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which uh, kind of tells you the story of what Revan did, I guess, from the end of the first game, you know, through the second game, and then maybe what would have been the third game. Nice. Yes. And... Uh, it's pretty pretty interesting. I mean, it's not like uh, it's got some bizarre reviews on Amazon. It's got like two and a half stars, and I don't. I think I understand why, but I don't really care to read the reviews. But um, it's a pretty good book, and if you're you know if you're interested in Knights of the Old Republic or Swotor, I think it's it's worth a read. It's it's a pretty good novel. I um I was not really familiar with Kotor. I never actually got all the way through Kotor. I played the first one, I think like halfway through, so I don't really know. What what is that like lineage? Who is what is that all about? Well, uh, I think if I get my timeline correctly, I think the events of Knights of the Old Republic take place uh, nearly four thousand years before the the battle, uh, before like the first you know um, Star Wars movie. Right. And then uh, let's see. Yeah, they use the I think they the, use the Battle of Yavin as like the scale, rather than saying before the first movie, like like 
The like, yeah. like legit Star Wars nerds say like X amount of years before the Battle of Yavin or after the Battle of Yavin. That's sort of like that's sort of like um year, you know. The the birth yeah, of Jesus. Yeah, sort of like yeah. the birth of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to say it, but thank you, Scott. Yeah. Yes. But that's the analogy, I suppose. Okay. Uh, and then I when do, when does Swotor take place? Is that in like the thousand years before or it's the thousand years before the movies and something like thirty years after Kotor, right? Am I wrong? Or before I Kotor? Think, um, Kotor. Knights of the they Old say Republic is a thousand years before the okay, movie. Okay, so it's like I know Knights of the Old Republic is two hundred years, two to three hundred years before the uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic. So, yeah. oh, okay. So that's no, okay. So that's like maybe thirty five hundred years before BBY. Yes. For, for those in the yes. know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean. There's this, there's like, uh, they, they reference all these wars that took place and sort of the politics behind the wars. This is a time when, um, when the Sith are still actually a race and sort of like a culture that opposes the Jedi. Um, the Republic and the Empire are both in full swing. Um, there's Mandalorians, like a lot of the Knights of the Old Republic lore centers around the, the Mandalorians. Um, uh, let me see. I think at some point, um, Revan, uh, launches an attack on the Mandalorians. I think that takes place like somewhere around maybe before the first Knights of the Old Republic game. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the first Knights of the Old Republic game, you find out that um, that Revan was a Jedi who disappeared, and then uh, was came back. Like he disappeared for a while. When he came back, he was a Sith, um, and then he was captured by the Jedi again and sort of brainwashed into being like this savior of the Republic. And in this novel, he kind of, well, at the end of the first game, he disappears. So like after he saves the galaxy, like he's gone and you don't know what happened to him. Um, So, so as far as I know, the second game is played entirely without him in it. But um, you basically find out what he does. It's sort of like a journey where he recovers his memories. Um, I think it spans the time. It spans about four years. So the time from when the first game ended, through like maybe four years after that. Now, do they actually say the gender of Revan? Because I know uh, the gender in the games was selectable. Yeah, and I think I think maybe that's why fans are upset. In this novel, he's given a personality, and he's he's male. Oh, okay. And, mm. and actually, in the beginning of the novel, you find out that him and, and Bastila are married. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did you know that um, so, uh, in uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic, um, the main I guess leader of the Jedi Council is a descendant of Bastila. The 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 female character from the um those blur videos, those really good blur videos, uh the female Jedi with the double lightsaber staff thing. She's um Bastila's well, like she wouldn't be great 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 descendant. Great, she, yeah, 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 great great great. She granddaughter ish. Yeah, so she she grand. kind of looked like her. That's why I was confused. Yeah. But with the, the time with the timeline wouldn't she be great grandmother? No, actually, the um, Revan, Revan, and all that comes up before um, the Old Republic. Oh, that's yeah. Before. So it's okay. a couple hundred years before. Is... So you'll actually okay. like the the zone that you're going to hit next, Matt. Um, you'll actually hit some Revan stuff in the next zone that you hit in the game. I'm actually I finished. We'll we'll, we'll get okay. into it when we talk about the game. So <laughs> sorry uh, on the docket tonight that um or today tonight, Jesus, we've got a. Uh, some Mass Effect news, some Sotor, plenty of Sotor, or however you want to pronounce yes. it. A story about Kotaku. We're going to do a little bit of CSS wrap up or CES wrap up, um, even though there wasn't 
a whole lot that to talk about that's interesting to us. Um, we've got reviews of Shelf Life, uh, which is the new web series, right? Yes. From uh, we're going to do some definite sweater talk. We're going to do uh, Scott playing some demos, clear up some kind of games that he's gotten out. Uh, I am actually playing Minecraft, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. You're going to alter And then uh, a quick review of the Google TV, like new version of Google TV they put out. And then in our open thread, we are talking about what games do you want to see cross-promoted. And uh, we've already got some great Twitter answers, so we will be reading those on the podcast. Awesome. Very cool. So first off, Ash, uh, you kind of wrote this story, broke this story on our site. So if you could talk about the Mass Effect 3 and Kingdoms of Amulet. Sure. So I'm, I'm actually um, more and more getting more and more excited about um, Kingdoms of Amalur, uh The Reckoning, more than I was last year. Last year, I, I saw screens of it and stuff, and I really wasn't all that excited uh, for the game. But uh, it's being developed right now by 38 Studios and... Um, Todd McFarlane is the art director. R.A. Salvatore yeah. is uh, writing the story, and he's you know big for writing all the uh, Dritzt. How do you how do you pronounce his name? Dritzt. Dritzt. I think it's Dritzt. Dritzt. I'm Dritzt. get like spammed with hate for not knowing how to pronounce that name. It's like it's like D R I Z Z T. Dritzt. Erden. So it has a a pretty awesome pedigree, and um, I was going to pick it up anyway. It comes out earlier next month, but. Um, the icing on the cake is that they're actually doing a cross promotion with Mass Effect. Um, so it, it's a, a really wide cross promotion. If you play the Kingdoms demo, which comes out um, this coming up Tuesday, um, you'll automatically unlock some in-game items for Mass Effect 3. Um, then, if, of course, if you buy the game and uh, if you buy the game and actually you know play it and have a save file on your 360 then you'll unlock um, armor in Mass Effect 3 when Mass Effect 3 comes out. And also when you uh, play Mass Effect 3 and you have a save a save game for Mass Effect 3 on your hard drive and you play Kingdoms, then you unlock um, Omniblades for your main avatar in Kingdoms that you can use as weapons, <laughs> which is pretty, pretty freaking cool. <laughs> so there's a long list of these cross-promotional items that you get. They don't cost anything. All, all you have to do is own both games and you gain access to them. Um, and I just think, you know, it like Scott and I are kind of, I don't want to say on opposite sides of the coin um, w- when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> me, I, I, I don't mind when it's games I would normally pick up and if it doesn't cost me anything extra. I think it's awesome to be able to just get like extra free crap that is, uh, you know, fun to play with um, just for picking up games that I would play normally. Well, but I don't know. I, I don't actually, I actually don't mind this because <laughs> I think... Uh, I'm with you, Ash. Kingdoms of Kingdoms of Amular. Lore, I always say Amular. I don't know why, but uh, last year I kind of looked at it and I was like, "Man, that's a that's a list of people to throw on a title." Yeah. Like Todd McFarlane, you know, um, uh, Ari Salvatore. I was like, "This is kind of this is interesting to me," but it also seemed like it could be a total clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this way. Like, I don't mind it either because I'm kind of like, oh, well, you're going to use the power of Mass Effect, which is obviously going to sell just an insane amount of titles to give another way. Like, like, I think this title could have easily been enslaved, which is it could have come out and probably been pretty good and been completely ignored by everybody because it's just kind of a weird title in the middle of the year. It's going to get washed over by bigger games and better mm-hmm. games. So, 
Yeah, I guess I'll say that I, I don't know that I would have pre-ordered Dragon Age if it wasn't for the cross promotion. I probably would have played it someday, yeah. but I don't know that I would have just run out and gotten that uh, that suit of armor for my Mass Effect character. Yeah. And I guess so, I, I guess really what it boils down to is that I don't really mind the cross promotion, but it, it just I'm a little concerned, you know, that like if you remember from Mass Effect Two, you had to do you had to like kind of run around to do all these different things to get all of the extra gear. Like you had to drink the the Dr Pepper to get you know certain unlocks. You had to you had to buy. Um, I think it was like what was it Dragon Age or was that between Dragon Age and Dead Space? Like see, I don't even remember yeah, yeah. like what the cross. There was there was anymore. one for but Origins think, like, in Mass Effect Two because you could get the the dragon armor in Mass Effect Two. Yeah, but, and then you would uh you know you pre order the game from Amazon, you get one thing. You pre order it from GameStop, you get something else, and it's just kind of like. But it just it's, it becomes overwhelming. That's two different things, though, to me, because I I think that this is EA using Mass Effect Three to sell more Kingdoms of Amular. Oh, whereas when they're saying like, "Oh, drink Dr Pepper, go buy a boost," you know, like all the other stuff, that's companies buying into the power of a big game, a game that's already gigantic, and they're trying to get you to to market, you know, cross market to buy more stuff to get things in the game, like. The reason you had to go to Subway and buy a sub to get stuff in Uncharted is because Uncharted was going to sell regardless of whether you went to Subway and bought a sub. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it seems like two different things. This is just like bringing more vision, more eyeballs to a title that I think otherwise wouldn't yeah. happen. Yeah, I mean, well, in my mind, I know that none of this extra gear will make any difference, but like the irrational right. part of my brain just wants it all. <laughs> it has yeah. to have it. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. like. It, it, it's like I just unfortunately, like in today's, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, in today's day and age, reviews honestly do make or break games and and that and word of mouth so if kingdoms comes out and it's reviewed poorly or even has like a metacritic score of like you know 75 it's a boost from the mass effect audience to maybe go out and buy it even if they're not too keen on it whereas like if if it's reviewed well and you know it gets a a positive word of mouth it's gonna sell like crazy like i'm around um really um easily influenced young people all the time and uh, it's insane the amount of young 15 and 16 year old kids um, have that have picked up Skyrim, which is a really hardcore. I have 15 and 16 year old kids that have never really played an RPG that are like pretty much 200 hours into Skyrim now just because their friends are playing it and it's reviewed well. And there's this positive buzz and, and buzz is everything in today's day and age. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, uh. You know, let's preview all of the sweater talk we're going to have in probably about 20 minutes with uh, a story about why they're lying to us. Oh, yeah. Did you guys get a chance to see this yet? I actually didn't get, know this it, is the first it's time seeing it. It's pretty crazy. So, like, uh, there's a link there, so go ahead and, and click the link if you got a second. But um, So, essentially, what happened is the game has three different um, resolution settings that you can set when you play Star Wars The Old Republic. It has low, it has medium, and it has high, just like any other game. Only the the reality of the situation is high high resolution actually is not currently engaged in the game due to performance issues. It actually it's too big of a drag on your system. So when you have your computer set running around the game, you're actually playing in medium, and the only time you ever see the actual high resolution, the really nice textures are during cutscenes. Um, and there's a really uh, it's up on Kotaku now, but there's a really nice compare and contrast between what they're telling you is high and what is actually high. 
and I actually did it in game today, and there is a, a major, major difference in the the level of the textures and and how nice it looks. And they're basically saying oh, this yeah. is because the game cannot handle at this at this current state, um, you running around and interacting with other players with that high level of of graphics engaged, which is kind of shitty, because a lot of us are would like to play with it looking pretty. So, well, I actually can't play with it looking yeah. pretty. Because my machine lied to me when I bought it. And uh, so this is, I mean, it's kind of shitty. Although I will say, and I was going to get into this when we actually talk about it, but this game is making me want to go get a, a gaming PC. Ah, It's totally breaking me. I, I'm like falling right back into this. So. Well, um, I, I don't know. Like I, I saw the article, but I don't know that it bothers me that much because I, I can't really tell you how many times when I'm actually just running around in the environment killing people or, or doing the quests or whatever, how how often I actually stop and, like, zoom in on another player's character to, like, examine their armor or whatever. The only time... I, I look at companions. I've been... I, like, I go in on my companion when I change her outfit and stuff or I, like, changed her face makeup. Like, I kind of, like, zoomed in on that. And it definitely, right now, looks like, wow. You know, like, it, that kind of level of graphics. I don't really have... But I can't turn on high-res either, so... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if they if it's something that's turned on, like in dialogue or something like that, like that's really the only time I get to see characters. Like when we do flashpoints, like that's really the only time I get to look at your armor. Yeah, and because we don't really spend a lot of time like being stationary. Otherwise, you know. Yeah. And and for and for what we're doing in the game, just like questing or whatever, I thought that the visuals were kind of you know sufficient to convey what we were doing. I suppose I definitely wouldn't want it at the expense of you know frame rate. I guess. Yeah. I think that the game could definitely use, I mean, it's still so early and, um, I think it was a, actually a really successful launch in terms of everything pretty much worked. I mean, I know Matt, I, Matt, you had some issues with your character getting like incinerated. Uh, that was bad. Yeah. And people complained about the cues and stuff, but they really weren't all that bad. I don't think I ever had to wait. I mean, more than 10 minutes at the most, um, during launch week, which is crazy because every other MMO I can think of, launch week was a, a fucking nightmare. I mean, it was just like, you know, servers were down, they were crashing constantly. Um, I don't think, you know, I played pretty heavily during the launch week because I was off of work. And I don't think I ever saw the server actually go down, you know? So, anyway. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is a pretty minor detail for an otherwise pretty flawless game launch, you know. I would agree. Good deal. So, Matt, why don't you talk about the Roku stick before we talk about some more internet news. I did hear briefly about this Roku stick, and it sounds actually pretty awesome, so I want to hear about it. Well, actually, I think Scott might know a little bit more than I do, um, but the gist of it is that Roku has come out with a new box that you can use, but this box fits in the palm of your hand and is basically a USB stick. Oh, really? Yeah, there's... um. Yeah, they they uh, something debuted this year at CES, and it's called um, MHL, which is a new um, sort of port format for your television. And I don't remember exactly what MHL stands for. If someone no can find that, yeah, <laughs> it's it like up. let's let's just say it's called Media Something Link or whatever. That sounds about right, doesn't Mobile it? Mobile High Definition Link. There you go. Um, so it's like a new format that can. Uh, basically power things like the Roku stick. And the Roku stick is like a, a USB-sized thumb drive sort of appliance that you plug into the back of your TV and you get the entire Roku experience as if 
you know, it basically replaces the box that's sitting on your shelf. So that means like no HDMI cable, no external power supply. Um, you know, in the like, let's project into the future. If you travel, you could unplug this Roku stick, take it with you, plug it in at a hotel, and as long as they have Wi-Fi, you have Roku and everything access to everything that you would have. That's at pretty home. awesome. Is anybody else like getting just blown away by this shit at this point? Like the Roku, yeah, like, the Roku in and of itself is an amazing little device, and it's like a hockey puck. You know, I mean, it's it's tiny, and. uh and the fact that they're jamming it all into like it, it just it's crazy to me. This is a, it's insane that they're they're able to pull this yeah, stuff off. It's pretty awesome. I mean, but I mean, if you can just imagine like what this opens the door for, like you know, in a few years, we'll probably there's probably going to be like an Apple TV stick. Maybe ten years from now, the new Xbox console will be on a stick as well, yeah, yeah. which you plug into your TV and you just need whatever storage space to to contain the games or whatever. But well, and solid state storage is is like expanding rapidly on how much they can put on a on a little flat disc, and you know, it's pretty awesome. It's crazy. I, that's why I thought it was worth mentioning because I feel like it's sort of like we're at the cusp of something very interesting in terms of just being able to pick and choose your content and not having to like have a physical thing that needs another. Like you really could one day just hang your TV on the wall and not have to worry about where anything goes other than the, you know, plugging it in yeah. to power it. And then like, that's it. You know, well, unless like, you want cable, you'll still have to plug in your, your box from 1984. With <laughs> yeah. Old blue yeah. and yellow menu. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done with the cable for sure. <laughs> we'll get into uh, that. <laughs> yeah. So I have like, I have a we'll get into that. nightmare it, it, story I can share this week too. Yeah. The, the the Google TV uh, review that we do, I want to talk a little about cable, and I want to talk a little bit about Roku because I think they all relate really well now. So we'll get a little bit more into the benefits of that, I think, at the review. But but yeah, this this little device is amazing. If you haven't seen it, we'll we'll try to post up something on the site about it real quick. And and uh, it's it's a pretty amazing little thing. I, I can't imagine just moving forward from here. It's just I, I tech is getting crazy again, and it's hardware that's getting crazy again, which is kind of awesome to me because. For a while, I think it was software that was really blowing up and changing things, and hardware is kind of getting back into being like, hey, look, we made things miniature, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and Best Buy uh, said that their Insignia brand, when they start selling these, they're just going to bundle the stick with the TV. Awesome. So you, won't even, like, you won't even have to spend extra That's money insane. on it. It's, it's awesome. So uh, the final story, Kotaku is uh, slimming down somewhat, it seems like. Yeah, they're, they're doing something uh, unique. So they're... Uh, so my my question is this, okay, they're they're splitting their site, okay. So my question is, do you think they should have catered to their audience? What they're doing is they're, they're they created something called Kotaku Core, and what Kotaku Core is is it's only gaming stories, nothing like gamer culture related, no cosplay, no um, convention, you know, pop culture reports. Um, it's literally just like hardcore gaming news, gaming reviews. That's it, and that's Kotaku Core. Now, Kotaku is going to continue to exist. Kotaku.com is still going to be everything. But if you want, like, just the raw gaming news, you can just put in the URL Kotaku Core, and then you get just the gaming news. Um, I was just curious, like, what your opinions were about this whole idea. Because the reason why th- that Kotaku itself gave to this shift was that they were getting a lot of complaints that Kotaku wasn't covering, uh, was covering too too many articles, or had too many articles, rather, that were not gaming related so well i mean if you ask us <laughs> like 
I think if you look at our schizophrenic site, you would know that we kind of like a lot of different things. And I don't, I like reading about a lot of different things. I don't necessarily only want game reviews and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I applaud them for trying to cater to their audience. That's nice. You know, I guess it's cool, but it's not necessarily what I'm looking for. It seems kind of like a, almost like a knee jerk reaction, not in doing what they did, but doing what they did in the way that they did it. You know, why couldn't they just put a tag on every game story and call it Kotaku core. And then that way, when I'm reading a story, I just click on the tag Kotaku core, just like you would click on a tag for something else, comics, cosplay, whatever, you know, why can't there just be a link on the side of the pages? Well, I mean, only those stories. The reality is that's essentially what they're doing. They're just advertising it as a brand. Right. And that's, that's what I thought was interesting is that they're, they're going to the extent to like, explain it to you what they're doing and like oh no it's a separate site you know like it's, it could be like there could be a separate site for kotaku cosplay you know same same idea oh yeah but, and maybe there's will not be. Yeah. maybe maybe at some point you know, the cosplayers start complaining that they don't have a market for themselves too and then you know i don't well, know. It, you know it, this reminds me of a silly um I'm going to tell a World of Warcraft story really quick, but like long ago, I used to run a World of Warcraft guild and there were a lot of people in it and um, a lot of people would complain about really, really silly things and um, they were not at all the majority, right? They were this, this really vocal minority that would complain about silly stuff that was going on in the guild and all the officers and stuff, we would have meetings and we'd try and figure out what we could do and we'd talk about the problems and a lot of times we would make these major changes in the guild because of that vocal minority. And they always ended up really coming back to bite us in the ass. And I just think – and this is a really dumb analogy to talk about World of Warcraft guilds. But I just think it, it's silly for, to, uh, for Kotaku to actually just like basically cater to these these trolls essentially, these internet trolls that are, are pissing and moaning about a, a really great gaming site. Um, they shouldn't have to change anything. They should they should have exactly what they want to have on their site without having to do an extra ounce of effort. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but what Scott said is like completely true. All they're really doing is tagging these articles with Kotaku Core. I mean, like the technical side of it is all they're doing is tagging them with Kotaku Core, and then they made a URL that just routes you straight to those stories because they're you. They didn't even buy a new URL. It's still just Kotaku.com/slash Kotaku Core, which is like. All they're doing is saying like, "Hey, if you want all the gaming stuff, we made a tag for you. Go look at the tags, gaming yeah. stuff." Yeah. And then they rebranded it a little, and it's like, I think this is their way of just being like, you know what? Fine, here's a solution. Let's all move on with life, you know. But I agree. I think I think reacting to, you know, the the whole customer always knows best is not is kind of bullshit to me. I don't think the customer does always know best. I think they know what they want, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you should do with your website at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, it's weird to talk about another blog. It is. It is. <laughs> Even though they're 40,000 times the size yeah. of us. It is weird to talk about another. Well, let's just, let's just talk about our blog and theirs as if they're, they're, you know, right. rough, roughly equivalent to one another yes. too. Well, we're sponsored by Papa John's. Right? We are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We still have Pop, that. Papa John's and LaCroix. And LaCroix yeah. yeah. LaCroix sparkling. And X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> and rockstar energy rockstar should, energy drinks yeah but they don't really we you should know, say we more sponsor them <laughs> <laughs> than they sponsor yeah. us exactly good we stuff so i don't know i, I think the, i mean part of me thinks it's cool that they're you know they're making this extra effort for their fans to kind of like you know 
you know, calm them down. But at the same time, I'm like, well, screw them. What the hell? Like, what's the big deal? Do whatever yeah. you want. But yeah. I don't know. So, so we have a lot of reviews. Let's right, take a well, quick break and then we'll come back with a bunch of reviews. Shelf Life, Star Wars, Choplifter, NFL Blitz, some Minecraft, and Google TV 2.0. Let's do it. We'll take a quick break and be right back. We are back for some reviews. Um, the first one, Ash, I think is your your deal here, the Shelf Life web series. Yeah, so um, I did an interview for the site. <clears throat> you guys can check it out. It's um, with Tara Platt, who is uh, actress slash voice actress slash writer. Uh, she does a little bit of everything. It's been uh, Yuri Lowenthal, who are uh, really big in the, the voice acting community. They started their own excuse me, they started their own uh, internet series called Shelf Life, which is actually really, really cool. And I just wanted to share it with uh, some of the listeners. And Shelf Life is a series about um, four action figures that are kind of stuck up on the shelf of a, a young boy who's probably like 12 or 13 years <laughs> old. So he's like going through puberty and he's kind of like a little a-hole. And uh, these four action figures are just kind of like going through a series of adventures while up on the shelf. But it's not um, very much like Toy Story at all in that it is a very witty uh, adult version of kind of what the Toy Story toys would be like in reality. So it's really vulgar, really kind of nasty, uh, really goofy, and just a whole lot of fun. So you can imagine um, what forces would do uh, in reality if they were stuck up on a shelf. And it's just like they're short little um, you know, two-minute episodes of them on the shelf just doing goofy stuff. It's a whole lot of fun. The first season <clears throat> was uh, – earlier this year, and I think there were 10 episodes, or maybe 11 episodes in the first season, and season two of Shelf Life is about to actually start, um, and you can catch them on YouTube, and they are a whole lot of fun. And their uh, website is shelflifeseries.com. Yes, shelflifeseries.com. And definitely... That's awesome. I've, go ahead. Good. No, you. I've been, I've been looking for someone. No, well, <laughs> no thank, you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been looking for some more like YouTube content because the the app inside of the Google TV and the and the Xbox one for that matter is is really awesome. So I'm kind of like wanting to watch more good quality stuff on YouTube. Yeah, like the the quality of this um, web series is insane. They have like an incredible um, the art design and everything is awesome. The costumes are are pretty phenomenal. The score is by Bear McCreary, who does the score for Walking Dead. Um, it's it's insane. It's like a really high production value um, and just like really goofy, like, whimsical fun. Like it just it's every episode is sillier than the next and i kind of can't wait to see where they take it and as a former like action figure collector it's cool to uh it's cool to think about maybe what your toys would be doing when you're not around because i had a whole lot on the shelves over the years that's awesome all right we'll check it out shelflifeseries.com yes. or head over yeah. to youtube um mm-hmm. 
let's hold off on sweater until the the very end of it so that we can just talk forever yes, about yes. it. Yes, sure. But Scott, from what I can tell, you somehow transported back to 1997 or six, and you had my Sega Genesis, and you're in my living room, and you played <laughs> yeah. Choplifter and NFL Blitz, right? And, Am I right yeah, so far? Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. I I basically went. I saw that. Uh, Xbox had released a bunch of demos and I heard about like a bunch of different games that were coming out for Xbox Live Arcade. So I thought I would actually download and try some of these games. I started out actually going um, onto Xbox Live Arcade to look for new Kinect um, enabled arcade games and I ended up just finding like other stuff. So um, two of the games, uh, I, I wrote about one of the games, which is Amy, yeah. which um, I, I basically played with Ash and Mine, which was uh, supposed to be like a survival horror kind of like puzzle game but like much in the style of ash's nightmare there's like uh escort missions that you have oh, to do. Man. Like you basically <laughs> escort you basically uh it's a survival horror game uh you play as a female character um who who is looking after this child who uh appears to be autistic or something or she can't speak or, or whatever the case may be and um but she is the key to your success to the game so she's the one that helps you like unlock the doors, solves. I think she possesses some sort of powers to drive back like the things that are trying to attack you as you as you progress through the game. So um but oddly enough it's a third person um game and I I don't know if you guys can think of any third person games that were released as um Xbox arcade games. You know like not no, like a game like saying. trench but something that's actually like like there was the, the water kinda, one. You know, what was the water one called? Like, remember the water one where you um uh, submerged or oh what the hell? I'll, I'll think of the name of it in a minute. But oh, was it hydrophobia? Yes, hydrophobia. Thank you. That's the only kind of, oh, okay. like three D adventure game I can think of in the past year or two. Yeah. So I mean, I basically played it for that reason, and um, I think it it maybe started out with good intentions, but kind of like lacked like again that certain something that makes the game special you know it was right. kind of like the game wasn't very scary and they used darkness to like manipulate the horror and like i i wrote that it ended up being so dark that i wasn't sure if something was wrong with my tv or not you know it was like one of those things like the games would send you into places in the darkness and then you would get there and it'd be so dark and you're like is there an item here what am i am i supposed to be scared like what what's the deal you know and from reading reviews online i guess the puzzling just gets a little out of hand and the checkpoints are bad to the, to the point where like you would spend 10 minutes preparing to do a sequence and then you would die like almost instantly and have to start over again. So it's just yeah. like a kind of like a sequence of broken puzzles. Yeah. I read like your that. review so, and I, and I was kind of sad cause it made me like long for, you know, long for some survival horror, um, especially after watching all the, the really solid resident evil um, operation raccoon city videos that have been popping up in the past few weeks. I've been like really kind of wanting to go back and like play the old resident evil games. Um, but then, you know, they're just not quite the same anymore. And it seems like this one didn't quite hit the mark either. Yeah. No. And I would suspect that if your options like to fill that void in your life were either to play this game or to download like the resident evil Four HD remake, you would probably just go for the yeah, latter. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, there's a review up on the site if anyone wants to read more about it, and you can download the demo from Xbox. So let's move on to uh, Choplifter HD and NFL Blitz, which, you know, <laughs> I mean, it should be clear to anybody, like, over a certain age why you would download these demos to play them, because these are part of our 
part of our upbringing, part of our childhood. You I know, played Chop- so much Choplifter, man. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it, Choplifter is an amazing, like, side-scrolling helicopter game where you you are sent out into like this this battlefield. You you have to destroy enemies. Like, you have to you have to land your helicopter to rescue people. And I guess I guess the 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 hard part of the game is that you basically wait there while the people load onto your <laughs> helicopter. And try not to get blown up in the process, and then you need to fly them back to the base, fly back out and collect more people and take them back to the base. And that basically consists most of the levels. I mean, did I explain it? Yeah, that was it. That <laughs> I mean, was pretty, pretty much, much it. it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And the I guess the only beef here is that uh nothing has really changed since whatever, nineteen ninety or something, or nineteen eighty five or whenever this game first came out. Um aside from a graphics update and uh maybe so it's still side scrolling yeah it's still Ah. side scrolling (laughs) um let me ask you in the original chop lifter were there two sort of like depths of battle that you had to like were there people in the foreground that you had to shoot and people in the background uh not that i remember but we're also i think about 12 years back in time (laughs) i think i think that's i think that's what was added to this game like so Normally, Jesus, it's 2012, uh, 17 years back in time. <laughs> yeah, when, when did the original Shoplifter come out? Can, can it had to be out? mid-90s. It had to be like 93, 94, maybe. I don't know, maybe. Uh, dude, I don't know. 93, 94 is like, 95 was PS. Oh, uh, well, the original was the, I guess it was on Apple <laughs> so it was 82. Really, really? There you go. The one I played, they had one on Genesis, oh, okay, though. yeah, yeah. Or maybe it was something, uh... Maybe I'm wrong. Go ahead. You can keep... Oh, Sega so, Master System is 86. There you go. Yeah. So, so a very long time ago. <laughs> I guess the wrinkle that's new to this Choplifter game is that now the helicopter flies in, and you can push a button to turn it kind of like at an angle, and there's enemies in the foreground shooting at you, and there's enemies like sort of in your path where like you would pick up the civilians. So okay. you are challenged at times to shoot in one direction or the other. Um you now can use the right thumbstick to actually uh, target like what you actually want to shoot at. So I think in the old game, you basically had to just get like the machine gun always fired at the same angle and you just had yeah, to get there. Yeah. Or, or I think when you flew, it would kind of like angle down and that's how you would shoot at guys. Yeah. Now, yeah. now you just kind of fly straight and use the right thumbstick with like a laser pointer to, to fire the missiles and the machine guns or whatever. Huh. Um, I think the the demo lets you play for a predetermined period of time, maybe like an hour. You can play through all the levels, you know, as as fast as you can. And uh, pretty much, pretty much, the only selling point at the end of this demo. I mean, like, how, if you've played the original, you you would quickly realize that really nothing has changed. And pretty much all they have to offer you are zombies. Like that's that's the thing. Like they probably showed you the word zombies like ten or twelve times. It's like if you buy this game, we've got zombies. There was like there was a level where um, instead of rescuing people, you had an area. So I think that's new, too. So there would be, like, a hospital that you'd fly to, and then you'd have to defend the hospital from zombies that were, like, marching towards you. Uh. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's Choplifter. If you like Choplifter, it's a great thing. <laughs> it's $15, though, so I don't oh, know. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I don't know that I would agree with the price of the game. That's probably a little too expensive for Choplifter. Yeah, and by comparison, Amy is $10. So... I mean, like, it, it's hard to balance the two out. They, I mean, there's multiple levels. There's multiple uh, helicopters that you can unlock. Um, you can play all the levels on three different difficulties. I'm but sure like, each helicopter feels super different, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
And I, I don't know. I mean, unless maybe the thing that would really, maybe the thing that's missing from this game is multiplayer, you know, and I don't, I don't think this has it. Interesting. Interesting. Like Ash and I could run around as the people that yeah. you could pick up and just run away from the helicopter the whole time. Or why not just let two <laughs> helicopters, like just make the game harder and let two helicopters fly around. Like it doesn't matter if they collide with one another, like, you know, physically or whatever, but they just let two people play it online together. That, that would probably make all the difference. You or know? duke it out a little bit. I, I do yeah, have or like to pat you on combat. the back, Scott, because you always like demo this stuff that I would never touch unless I was told <laughs> that I had to. So in all honesty, yeah. I appreciate it because I would never like I I guess I'm too lazy to go out of my way to like play a lot of these demos and a lot and a lot of these indie games. Um, but that's amazing that you do. So that way I get to hear about them. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh no, man. There's uh there's something that I'm gonna probably talk about in the future. Something I bought during one of the Steam Super Sales. Uh-oh. Uh and there's an indie game, while I'm thinking about it, just to preview something in a future podcast, there's an indie game called, uh, I think it's spelled Richard, but with an O instead of an I, like Rockard. Have you heard about this? No. Have you seen no, this? No. Um, we'll have to talk about this in the future, but the game is called Rockard, and it's a side-scrolling game uh, basically with a uh, like a gravity gun, which I think was in, like, imagine, like, you remember in Half-Life? Two, where they introduced the gun that Push you could like, pull in an yeah. object and and then fire it at an enemy. The guy basically has a gun like that, and he's like a miner, like in this sort of like '80s retro future. Um, and the whole game is styled with like '80s retro graphics and like this crazy techno music or whatever. Huh. And it's a side-scrolling game where you basically like suck up items and then use them to like fight enemies, or you you suck up an item and use it as as cover to defend yourself. Like huh. while you're being shot at, so we'll talk about that in the future. But that that's something else um, that is super interesting in Sword Horizon. But the the last thing that I quickly want to talk about was NFL Blitz. Okay, yeah, which which came out recently. And if anybody remembers, NFL Blitz was uh, an arcade game, sort of like in the heyday of NBA Jam, yeah, that yeah. that kind of thing. So um, both of these games, I think, were originally made by midway or activision or something like this but now ea has a license to both games nba jam nba jam and nfl blitz um so an nfl blitz is supposed to be sort of like a larger than life arena football style game where like there's no penalties you need 30 yards to get a first down like you really wouldn't punt like it doesn't really matter um the guys jump like 10 feet into the air to catch the ball like there's no running plays unless you like throw it behind the line of scrimmage like crazy stuff like this um and then the commentary is like NBA Jam style commentary. Again, this game is fifteen dollars, which um, is sort of like a hard sell. Especially, I mean, if you're like a Madden fan, you probably have already picked this game up. You know, and that's the thing. Like, that's why I was hoping we'd have Bobalian on today because I I saw that he was playing it um, already. The NFL was Blitz, he was uh, he? game. Yeah, but like I couldn't really decide that. At a certain point, if this game just looked like they had made the character models like a little like bigger in the shoulders, like with like bigger heads to distort them, and then just use all of the same like uh, environmental assets, you know, to make this mm. game, and then just redid the UI to make it like sort of arcadey. Arcade-ish, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just I feel like I wanted something a little bit more. Like I wanted it to look more like American Gladiators meets like The Running Man or something, but instead it just looks like. Um, like the way NBA Jam looks, you know, like, but NBA Jam has like something that makes it unique with like the boom shakalaka and all the that. Yeah. Over, yeah. 
yeah, and, and like the being on fire and stuff like that. And was, that's not really in this I was game. never a, an NFL Blitz kid, so I'm not, I have like no affinity for the game whatsoever. But it's but... like it's one of those games that um people practice and get good almost like a fighting game like it's like a skill based yeah um you know there's like ranked players that still play the old blitz game uh and are now playing this one so i'm sure for people that are that into it then it's incredibly exciting that it's out you know yeah oh i'm sure i'm not saying it doesn't have uh, an audience it just was never one of the ones that i i was playing nba jam when this was out oh yeah uh, yeah, I, I think I remember going to the arcade I, I think, and I, seeing like all the bros playing it, so I I stayed away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could recommend this NFL Blitz to maybe like any semi-hardcore Madden fan. I would recommend Shoplifter to somebody that just had fifteen dollars to burn and wanted to have a good time. But I mean, there's like plenty of games that fit into that category. Yeah, like the like the Space Marine dual stick shooter or whatever you know. And then uh, as far as Amy goes, like. That that would be a little tougher. Maybe only like the most desperate of uh, survival horror players would would probably want to tackle this one. But yeah. all of these demos are available on uh, I think both PS3 and Xbox. So that that's that. Matt, you've been playing Mine, Minecraft. All right. So <laughs> tell us about that. So uh, I I am in desperate need for things to do for 40 minutes on a train every day back and forth. It's like I just get bored, and if if I don't have a new podcast to listen to, I have nothing to do. Read a book, maybe, but I don't I actually don't like reading very much on the train. It's not super comfortable. And uh, I beat Mario 3D, and I haven't had anything to buy for that system since. So so far, it's been a hundred dollar Mario 3D machine. Uh, and then, um, so I went on my phone and Google Google hit, which actually we didn't ever talk about on the podcast, but. Google hit, uh, what was it, 10 billion sales on the um, Android marketplace and did a sale where they just started listing these premium apps for a dime, like a ton of different apps you could buy for a dime each. And uh, so I, I kept going on and I was just picking up different apps just to try them out. I was like, you know, for a dime, I don't know, I'll try out whatever. Yeah. And they put uh, Minecraft, the mobile version on there. And I was like, you know what? I watched Derek and Micah play it and I was like, I didn't really get it. I was like, I don't really understand what the game's about or what I'm supposed to do. And I was like, I'll yeah. just, I'll pick it up for a dime. Maybe I'll play it. And I, I kind of ignored it. I've, I've had it for probably about three weeks. And I didn't play it at all for the first like week. Uh, and then I turned it on one day and I was like, it, it works exactly like the actual game. So you, you boot it up, it loads up and it says, do you want to start a new game? And you say, yeah. And then it generates a random world that you're going to live in. Uh, which is, I think, one of the most amazing things about this game is that no one will ever have the same world that you have. Like, it's always different. Incredible. So I generated a world. Yeah, I generated a world and and shows up. And uh, basically the two big differences that I can tell and uh, between this and the desktop game are you don't, you don't actually have to mine for resources in the mobile one. Um, you're kind of given a bunch of different resources that you can build with. So you've you've got your like stone bricks and your wood and your land. You kind they kind of give you things to just start building. Yeah. And the other main difference, and uh, it, which I'll get into, but the other main difference is that um, the night raids don't happen. There is no combat in the game. Well, what is what is the point? Like, I'm not familiar with Minecraft at all. So, like, what is the what kind well, of game is this? Like, right. what's the point of the game? It really is exactly what the name is. It 
you mine for resources and then you craft things. That's like that's the whole point of the game is just to build stuff inside of the game. And uh it I don't know what Ash is doing. <laughs> it's like it it uh it sounds really boring and I understand that. It totally does. Uh, but then when you get into it and you start building stuff and you start like building a house and like planning out all these things that you want to do, it's kind of amazing. It's super addictive. You, you just start, it's so simple. The concept is so simple that it sounds dumb. And then you start doing it and you're yeah. like, this is a mind blowingly fun experience. Well, it's like, it's like, like playing with Legos, but having unlimited yeah. Legos, but kind of in the, in the, re- the retail and the old beta version, actually having to hunt for your Legos and then all of a sudden at night, critters show up and they can like wreck the Legos that you've built. So and, yeah, that's the yeah. desktop. The desktop uh, version is is you basically have the daytime to do what you can do before night happens, and then when night happens, all these like zombie like guys and evil monster type things come out and start attacking like you and your building and try to break into the places that you're in, and and it kind of adds this layer of of um, almost like basic tower defense need right? like yeah. you. Ha- yeah, you you have to build a house or you will die. Like, there's just no way around it. Like, they'll they'll kill you the first night if you don't have somewhere to shelter yourself. So that like sparks your your need to build, and then and then it just kind of builds. You just kind of go like, oh, I built this house. Why can't I make it a castle? And then you're like, well, I got this castle. Why can't I make it a ridiculous tower castle? And then you're like, well, I should put a basement inside, right? Obviously. And then you're like, oh, well, I could just build myself an airship. And then in the desktop version, which I think you can do in the mobile, I haven't gotten, I haven't played it long enough. You can you can start building like elaborate tunnels with like subway systems inside of them. I mean, it's insane what this thing allows you to craft. There's just an almost unlimited, seemingly number of things that you can build out of these materials and then make in the game. Um, what this has really done uh, for me, and I have to issue a gigantic apology to Derek and Micah because I definitely was one of the people that was like, "Eh, it looks kind of dumb." It I I may get the desktop version. I hear it's awesome. Wow. It's, I hear it's, awesome. it's so I hear good. It's awesome. It is a. I've heard also that the the real magic comes in like if the three of us ran a world, we can run a server together, and all of us build inside of it and create this world for ourselves that people can kind of like come in and out of. They can join into your game and see and leave, and that's what I've heard is where the real like magical experience grows. But. Uh, for I think the game at full price is maybe three dollars or four dollars in the marketplace, uh, and and Mojang the the makers actually talked about how um, the reason they stripped the night raids out um, and simplified it a little was because they wanted this to be an experience that you could sit down for fifteen minutes and just like do some building or do some stuff inside of and then turn your phone off and go do whatever you have to do. Uh, and it works perfectly. And the controls are on-screen controls. They're touchscreen controls. But what's awesome about that is that there's no, um, there's no like, expediency. There's no, like, uh, like in a fighting game, you have to be really accurate. You have to do it well. And it that always is where it breaks to me. That's where the experience always sucks of using touchscreen mm-hmm. controls. And this one is more, like, there's no rush to it. So you can kind of, like, you're just moving around, building stuff, and the, and the controls work really well um, for that. So I actually I highly recommend this game. It's it's the first game on my phone that I've picked up and has been what I would consider a deep experience and like a fun experience that isn't, you know, Tetris for 15 minutes, isn't like 
I actually keep going back to the same world and building more stuff and making it better and better. And there's, there is an aspect of being able to join games with other players. I haven't tried it yet. So um, that seems pretty amazing too, but, but yeah, man, Minecraft, I, I'm totally shocked that I'm playing and enjoying it, but it's awesome. The game, um, there's a light version available for iOS and it's $7 for, yeah. um, for iPhone, iPad. Honestly, iPad. dude, I would say worth it. Seven bucks is not out of out of the price for if it was over ten, I might be like, eh, but anywhere under ten, this game is is definitely worthwhile. It's I saw fun. some of the stuff that um Micah and Derek and their whole crew uh what they were building and it was pretty incredible. They did have like working tunnels and um I remember yeah. Micah built an airship that couldn't fly. It looked like one of the big Final Fantasy yeah. airships, yeah. but it couldn't go anywhere. Uh it looked pretty it looked pretty awesome and I could see that like to me, though, and this is, I would love to see like an HD version where you could actually texture the blocks and make the world actually look beautiful and, and rich rather than make it well, look like Legos. Supposedly, this is kind of what Fortnite's going to be, right? Yes. Yeah. We don't know much about Fortnite yet, but Fortnite is definitely um, tower defense and construction and all that stuff. And from yeah. Epic, you know, it's going to look so. nice. So. Yeah, so maybe Epic will pull that off for you. Cool, you never know. I would love to. I, I will. I will say this made me more interested in Fortnite by playing. This. Awesome, awesome. I just I didn't think I would enjoy the crafting as much as mm. I did, but. Um, and I don't want to talk too long about Google TV, but I think it, it does lead to a couple other things. If you want to, if you want my full review, it's on the website. Um, so go hit the website and read about my experience with buying a Google TV and using it. Um, so yeah, so I bought a Google TV when I first moved up here. Uh, mainly because I didn't want to buy a second Roku because we already have one in Florida and I know it's coming up eventually. And uh, they dropped the review price down to 100 bucks, which is Logitech's Google TV. And I thought, you know what, fuck it, it's the same price. I'll just see how it works. I got it. I hooked it up without cable at uh, my friend's house that I was staying at. And the thing sucks. It did nothing. It was a horribly stupid <laughs> box that did literally nothing on the no, TV man. other than give me – it gave me access to my Amazon videos. It gave me access to Netflix but not an app, by the way, not like a usable app. I had to go to Amazon's website. It would then recognize that I was coming from Google TV. I still did log in. It looked exactly like their website, except the video player would like auto size and play when I hit play on a video. It was a horrible experience. It was awful. Uh, it's kind of kind of sounds like a homebrew box or something. Something it was you just, ha- yeah. hack together yourself. Except that it's Google, so everybody knew about it, so all of the content providers blocked their content. So Hulu was blocked, ABC awesome. was blocked, CBS was blocked, TNT was blocked, TBS was blocked, anyone's content whatsoever. It was ridiculous. Uh, so that sucked. And uh, then I moved to my own place, and in the process of moving, they actually released the 2.0 update to the review. And I was kind of excited because basically what this 2.0 update did was bring the market, the Android marketplace to the Google TV, uh, add some new apps to it, and make it kind of a more unified experience. Um, I got here. I actually do have cable now uh, for right now, um, you know, just because I'm living alone. I thought having cable would be nice. The glow of the TV will keep me uh. safe while I'm sitting in a house by myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and basically, it's it's this is where Google TV starts to become a thing. You plug your HDMI, goes straight from your cable box into your Google TV, and then that goes into your TV. Uh, the logic because it's Logitech, it works just like uh, the Harmony remotes, where you actually program your Logitech remote to run your cable box and your TV and your Google TV. So I have one keyboard that runs all my devices, 
just like a harmony would. Uh, if you don't know what the harmony is, it's like a Ash. I think you have one, and I know you have one, Scott. It's it's the one and all you know universal remote that Logitech universal remonster. It lets you kind of. It's like really easy to program, and and they're actually really great if you've got an extra eighty bucks or whatever they cost. They they work really well if you've got a lot of components. Um, but what? So I plugged it in, got the update, started running it, and um. You know, the the really basic good things are there's apps, which is actually really nice. So the Netflix is actually an app now. Amazon is actually an app now. Um, supposedly Hulu's coming, but it's not it's not on there yet. Uh, um, what else is there? Uh, there's a really awesome, one of the nicest things is that there's an app I can download on my computer called Plex that I install on the Google TV and it becomes my media share. So all of the issues we have with Xbox's god-awful interface to share media from a PC to an Xbox, which is retarded that it takes as long and is as hard as it is, is completely erased by the fact that my Google TV, I literally turn it on, I load up the Plex app, and it just gives me my full library of music, TV, movies, whatever I've got, and I can click through and play them simply and easily. It works really well. Um, So that's cool. Uh, What what is mind-blowing on it and what absolutely is the best feature of it is the search. Uh, I can be sitting and watching TV. I can grab my keyboard and say, I I mean, I don't even know, like you you can just search for whatever it's Google. So you just, you're interested in something and you search for it. It drops this unified list down. If, If you search for a TV show, it'll tell you that it's on and you can click it. It'll take you straight to that channel. Uh, otherwise you can go to their marketplace and see what shows you can buy. If it's on Netflix, it'll tell you it's in Netflix. You click it, it'll take you right to it on Netflix. If it's on Amazon, you can click there. It'll take you there. I mean, it's, or you can be like, Oh, I just want to do a general search on the web. And then you can click the picture in picture and your TV will go down to the bottom corner as a picture in picture. And then the Chrome will load up behind it and you can start searching for things inside of there. And I mean, did you, did you say it changes the channel? Like, will it control your cable yep. box? It changes the channel for you. The only thing it doesn't do on Time Warner, I have heard it does do it on Dish, and it does do it on DirecTV, is on Time Warner and Bright House's boxes, it doesn't um, integrate with the DVR. So you can't, I mean, you can control the DVR from the control, but it won't, you can't say like, oh, I want to record this, and it'll just set it for you. Like, you just it, have to use a regular remote, right? Yeah, well, no, yeah. you can use your Logitech remote. Like, oh, it, oh, it yeah. controls the cable box, so I can do it all from the remote, but it doesn't do it within the Google interface. Oh, okay. Like, I can't say, like, oh. record the show and then have it do all the stuff for me. I still have to, It bounces me into the cable box at that point, and then I, I set recording settings and stuff. And then you said it also flip you in and out of, like, going from cable TV to Netflix to, to Amazon or whatever. You can picture in picture your cable TV down and, and go into Netflix if you wanted and pull up Netflix while you're watching TV still. Like it, that's, it basically, that's pretty cool. it lets you do stuff. What it didn't, what I thought, I swear to God, I remember them talking about that. I would have been mind blowing is I thought you could almost split the screen and pull up like an app on one side and then have mm-hmm. the TV running and like have like an IMDB app or like something like that going inside. That's not really feasible, but you can do, you can do the picture in picture and do anything else you want to do on the Google TV at that point. Um, the device is, is good. Uh, I don't think it's a total winner yet. It, if you have cable and you've got a spare hundred bucks and you want to make your cable experience better, it absolutely does that. I mean, it, it makes cable a little better, but you also, you kind of have to use it because it's easy to ignore too. You can just use cable without touching the Google TV still. It's just a pass through. Mm. 
So, but you still want to get that integration with, you know, doing like Netflix or, you know, that's yeah. you want to get to your other content pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and you can. And that's yeah. like where if you if you search for like I always use Seinfeld, but if you if you search for Seinfeld, like basically the list will drop down and it'll say like, "Hey, it's on right now." Or if it's not, it'll be like uh check out Seinfeld on Netflix, which is not on Netflix, but it'll check out Seinfeld on Amazon. You can click that, it'll take you to it on Amazon, or you can just say search for it in TV and movies. And when you click that, it'll bring up every season of Seinfeld that's ever been run. And then each episode next to it will have a button as to where you can get to that content. So it'll either See, say like tbs.com or amazon.com or, you know, buy it online right now and you can go click it. It'll take you to like a DVD buy. Like it, I, it just, it does all of that kind of integration for that, you. That, that's kind of a big deal because we're like sort of trying to get from this era of cable into like all of these fragmented services like you know, Flickster and Crackle and Netflix, Hulu and all this yeah. other nonsense. And really the only problem with all of these services is being able to figure out like where the stuff is that you actually want to watch. Yeah. 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 And, and that it, it's also, um, it, it's, and I wrote this in the article, the thing that it should, that they should have done that Google absolutely should have done is partner with one of the mega cable providers, whether it's Verizon or Comcast or Time Warner and just redo their hardware and be like, how about you let us make yeah. your hardware for you? You guys just provide the content. We will make your hardware. We'll put the box out and then partner with like Logitech. Then have Logitech make all these new boxes that Google puts the software in and that this is the experience you have. I think that would put me back on cable and permanently in a second because it's it's an amazing experience to have on top of that could have been cable. like a cable savior, you know? Yeah. And instead I'm sure cable fought it and didn't want to have anything to do with that. And then because I highly doubt Google didn't talk to the cable providers. I'm sure they went sure. to them first. And then the only one that partnered up was Dish. So Dish does have that. Dish has a box that when you order Dish, you can get the Google TV box. That's and cool. it supposedly unifies the entire experience. I just I don't I'm not, I don't have access to Dish nor do I want it. So Right. So you would, but yeah, would so you check recommend like buy now or wait a couple of years for it to be perfected? Um, CES announced a whole slew of new Google TV devices, uh, actually inter- integrated into the TVs, um, LG and I think, uh, uh, um, IBM or no, Lenovo, is that, is that the company now? You know, say IBM's Lenovo, right, Scott? Yeah. I mean, Lenovo makes IBM's, yeah. um, Lenovo like announced laptops. a TV that has like Android in- integrated into it and, so I, I think that this is not the experience that I would say, unless you're kind of a Googleite or you're like a hacker and you want to mess around with this kind of stuff, then sure. If you just want a box that delivers good content to your TV, then no, it's it's not it's not right for that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, get the Roku. The Roku still by far is the best like addition to a TV that you can get for 50 or 75 or a hundred bucks, no matter which one you buy. It, it just blows everything else out of the water. And I actually used an Apple TV for a while at Oscar's house. I've had the Google TV now. I've had a Roku. Um, I've even hooked my PC up to the TV and I will tell you by far the the Roku beats all of them, just blows them all out of the water. Oh, okay. So, And now you can get it on a stick. Yeah. Yeah. And I can get it on a, yeah. a little tiny delicious. Stick. Yeah. All right, let's do this, guys. Let's do this. We need to talk about this. All right. This. So, um, I don't know how I don't know how long our podcast is. We're been, well we with our breaks since oh, we're about at hour 5, so we got plenty of time. Yeah, oh, we're good. We're good. Um so we're going to talk about Star Wars the Old Republic. This is sort of um 
a review in progress, as they say, because this is not the sort of game that you can you can really beat quickly. Um, it is long. I finished. It is long as hell, and I feel like I'm uh, moving at quite a clip, and I'm not even close to finishing it. So um, let's talk about uh, where you guys are at and how you're doing and how you're liking your story, because you, you're both playing the same core class, so you have similar tales. So without revealing to Matt... Um, plot twists or anything, Scott, tell me how your adventures in Star Wars The Old Republic are going thus far. Um, it is going pretty awesome. Uh, it, I mean, it's great. Uh, I Once I realized that um, on the planets after the starter planet that you could do, like, bonus series, like, after you complete, like, the regular quest line, like, I was stoked on that because, um, like, I, I'm really playing the game for the story. Like, I really want to see what's happening. I want to know what um you know <clears throat> you know we're playing as um imperial agent or whatever so like i really do feel like a member of imperial intelligence and i really do like have an allegiance to that part of the sith empire you know mm-hmm. so like i'm doing everything that i can do to uh to be a part of that and and just to show you like if you want to get a sense of like other people getting into the story as well i ran a quest with a guy the other day and at the end of the group uh, quest, we were like, you know, good game or whatever, like, thanks for your help. And then at the same time, we both said good hunting to each other, and then we were like on our yeah. way. And like, good hunting, good hunting is sort of the thing that all of the, all of the, I don't, I don't know how far spread it is, but like anything in Imperial Agent, that's sort of like the, the line that you say to somebody before you go out to like do your missions or nice, whatever. Nice. So, uh, there really is like, I really do feel like there's a culture there, and, um, I really, for the first time, I actually got to a point in the game where I saw somebody from the Republic faction, like, in the same physical space. It takes a while, right? And I, I, I remember the first time I saw it, I about yeah. crapped my pants, because, like, in, in you know, the old days of being on a PvP, P, PvP, oh my god, I can't talk. In the olden days of being on a PvP server, um, you know, you got to, like, maybe level 10, and then all of a sudden it was, like, on, and you had to walk your ass all the time. Yeah. I've had maybe, I don't know, only three or four uh, encounters, you know, in the entire three weeks of playing, which is kind of crazy. So they're kind of few and far between. I, I honestly, yeah, I honestly froze for a second the first time I saw somebody because I play with other players like names mm-hmm. on and I saw a really long name, but it was in mm-hmm. red. And I was like, wait a second, what is this? You know, like I saw like I had seen two people fighting earlier and I didn't think anything of it. And I was like going after a Datacron and all of a sudden like I see another figure like running past me, but his name isn't red. And I was like, that's a little weird. So like I went into stealth and I sat there for a second and like sure enough, somebody from the Republic side sort of like went a little further than they normally do. And I went a little further than I normally did. And like there we both were, you know, and I like I didn't want to fight him because I just I didn't know like what to do. So I just stayed in (laughs) stealth. He did his thing and like ran away and then like I came out of stealth, did my thing and like took off too. And it's like it's just like the weirdest experience in this particular yeah, game. I, uh, it, was, it was like it was pretty I, crazy. I also very rare encounters, but this morning I was on and just a really quick PvP story. I saw a name in red coming at me on a speeder and I was on foot, and that automatically is an advantage because my my um 
my ally has spawned with me and you know he's by himself on the speeder and he literally went zipping past me on the speeder and I force choked him off the speeder <laughs> it was fucking brilliant <laughs> it was so good he goes zipping by and I'm just like grab and he's just sitting there choking and I, I smoked him but um, it was... <laughs> but it's fun and you know it, it is interesting we'll talk about server populations and maybe some of the problems the game's having too but um, so you're liking the story you're interested to see where it goes um, any, any complaints about the game so far? Any, um, any hangups? Um, and I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe it's just the thing that you mentioned where like with server population, I was having trouble finding people to help me complete the bonus series on like a, the, like the Nar Shada, which is, I think was like the second or third planet for me. And so like, if that many people like are skipping the bonus series or, or just moving on to other planets or just doing something else, like that kind of seems like a problem. Like I almost had to like get online and just like get one of you guys to come to the planet to help me finish. Yeah, the quest, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, like, it's kind of turning into that. Mm-hmm. You know? No, I had the same but, problem but on Hoth like... cause I, I had, I usually save my heroics, my group quests until the end because I can plow through everything else. And right. then I do the group quest and then you get the best items in the group quest. Then you move on to the next planet. Um, I couldn't find anyone to help me on Hoth for a good hour. So I just was like running around killing, you know, trash and stuff. And uh, I was like, well, forget it. I'll come back and do these later. So I had to I had to leave the planet because I couldn't get anyone to help, which is kind of a bummer. You figure, you know, there would be a lot of people that are eager to do stuff like that, but not so much, it seems. So, yeah, my only my only wonder at this point is where is everybody like what are they doing? Like, are they all in Warzone matches? Like, where where are where are the people? Yeah. And that's that's interesting because we we're playing on. um the most populated East Coast server because we uh, we got in early, um, sort of a sort of a Juntapal. It's the most populated East Coast PvP server, and you'll go into some mid-level zones and you'll see uh, zone population as like thirty, you know, thirty-five people. Mm-hmm. And I know they instance the zones out. They'll do like, for instance, they'll be like Hoth one and Hoth two. Um, there's so there's basically yeah. two parallel Hoths. You can't play with the people that are on Hoth 1 if you're in Hoth 2, but you can jump to Hoth 1 if you're in Hoth 2 and then look for a group there and stuff. So that's interesting. So I think they're trying to keep each planet's population um, well under 100 people for stability reasons. But um, I had yeah. the same exact question. Where where are all the people? You know, like what what's going and on? And I guess as- – yeah, I mean, aside from that, I would rather – I would still rather deal with that than have like 200 people standing at the spaceport like hawking like resources to me, which is what happened in Galaxy. Yes. You know what I mean? I'd, ra- I'd rather there be yeah, like wow. – Yes. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather there be like 30 or 40 people in the world with me because in my mind that seems more realistic than having like 200 people all standing in one place doing nothing. Yes. No, absolutely. And I think it, it's nice to like go out into the world and explore and not be surrounded by by other players and i know that's we're paying for an mmo but it is still it's still nice to to like actually go and experience like this star wars adventure without having you know um chronic chronic weed face and you're like jumping around in front of you doing a fucking dance like i'm over it i don't i don't want chronic weed face in my face you know it's like all right you're I do. I turn off general chat. Do you guys do that? Yeah, yeah. I do. I turn off general chat. I, I do. 
Yeah, I do most of the time unless I'm looking for a group, and that's that's really Very it. Good. And uh, before we get into Matt's adventures, I did want to ask Scott. Um, first of all, I know Scott and I play completely differently. Like you're all you're you're into the starship combat. You've ranked up a lot in star in your starship combat stuff, and also you've uh, been crafting rather heavily, haven't you? Yeah, I think I've crafted like all three. I have two gathering disciplines plus a crafting discipline, and I've got them all up to my current level. So like anything like I can tell like where I'm supposed to be in the crafting based on the level of items that yeah. I can make. And I've got everything to about the same point, which is about like 250. Nice. That's really high. That's incredible. For like level 31, 32. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. But I mean, like it was something that I wanted to do in galaxies, which is the only thing I wanted to do is make a droid. Mm-hmm. And it was impossible to do in any, and even if you could do it, it wasn't yeah. armed. You know, it was, it was such a letdown. So like, I really wanted to try to like, take on the persona of the Imperial agent and try to think about like what he would do as a character to make himself more powerful. Nice. Um, my character just happens to be a cyborg because I thought that would make sense. So I just assumed that my guy would be doing cybercraft yeah. to make like implants, implants or whatever. So that was, that was sort of the idea. That's really it. cool. And, and I've run some flashpoints with you where you've actually been able to um, rebuild droids that you find like broken down droids and actually have them like heal for us and, and uh, you've been able to repair yeah, was... elevators and cool stuff like that, which I was like really kind of blown away by. So there is actually a purpose for the crafting in this game, which is nice to see. The last, I guess the last thing I'll say is that that was given by a um, gathering discipline called slicing. Okay. And the only purpose of slicing was it would let you gather, um, what are the, like schematics and money. Like there was a way to, the the gathering was lockboxes. You could go send your guy out, get a lockbox open it up and and you previous to to what happened you were able to make like double your money oh, nice. doing this so, so i was doing it for a while to make money but then when patch 101 came out um like and this is well documented on the forums they basically nerfed slicing so you would spend 600 credits sending your companion out to get a lockbox and they would come back and the lockbox would give you like 700 credits. Oh, okay so it became a problem because i really did need the other um, gathering discipline that was complementary to cybercraft to build the higher level items, so I had to drop oh, okay. it. Okay, that's unfortunate. And 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 as far as I know, slicing is still quote nerfed or whatever. So I don't really I don't really see what the point of it is. But I don't really understand MMOs like sort of on that like like crazy numbers like min maxing level that some people don't play it don't at, ever so I, understand I don't it at that level because it becomes <laughs> something that's very bad. So play it for the story and play it for fun. So Matt, what about uh, your adventures? You had a, a rocky start getting in a strange bug, a, right. a bug afflicted so you. Basically what happened now that we know is that um, when I, st- I started in the preview period, uh, made a, a Sith Inquisitor and started running it. I got my graphics were really shitty and jumpy, which I, was not actually all of Star Wars' fault. It was a lot of my laptop and settings. Um, I ran the first part of the very first mission and got so fed up with my jumpy graphics that I turned the game off. I was like, oh, well, I'll just come back to it later. And then was never able to get back into my game at that point. Um, and what we found out happened was essentially, and I guess it happened to more than just me, a few people had this happen, um, when they went from preview to live, uh, somehow they fried a bunch of characters <laughs> without any ability for that character ever fully to load again. So what I would get was I would try to get back into the game, I would get the initial loading screen, it would hang, the wheel would start spinning, 
and then it would just sit there and it would it would hang all day if I let it. I mean, it just literally didn't die. I'd have to quit out of it. And then I would get some weird error that said like it wasn't even an error number. It just said like it was like a computer error. It was like connection timed out or something. Um, and basically my character was dead. I, I can't, he's still in my list of characters, but I can't start him. He's he's just there. So I need to I need to get rid of him at some point. But I'm paranoid too. Uh, so. Uh, I was fed up with it, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just start a new character and just see if it works, just for shits and giggles. So I started an Imperium and uh, started right up. Went right into the game, <laughs> like as if nothing was wrong the entire time. Started playing, uh, and I am I am in fucking love with this game. Awesome. I have never. It is it's what I, it's what I wanted from like a WoW or from other games where uh, there's the MMO part, and you guys are all there. But I, I'm playing a solo campaign essentially, and it's so much fun, and the story is so well acting is so well done. It's just it is what I've wanted, you know, like it, it is exactly what I've wanted. And honestly, I know it's what I've wanted because I think you could take the Star Wars out of it and make it any other setting, and I would still be having as much fun as I'm having right now. Like the Star Wars part of it makes it cool and it makes it familiar and fun. But it, it is not necessary to my enjoyment, which Galaxies, that it was necessary to my enjoyment. Galaxies was that it was Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. You know? Cool. I'm glad you're like uh, that. As far as, as far as my story goes, I'm not, I'm only, I just hit 10. Uh, well, I'm, I'm actually almost 11 last night. Uh, and I cleared the entry world or whatever. So I'm, I'm out in the, in the real world now. I'm about to start my first uh, real mission. And I and I classed as a sniper, so I went the oh, opposite nice. way of Scott, so that we have All two right. different kinds of Imperial agents. I've got sniper; he's got the stealthy one, That's um, great. which I think makes sense for how we play games, anyways. It's not really oh yeah, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> shocking that I would sit in the background and shoot people from a mile away. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think the character models look fantastic. I've never been so happy with a character that I've made in a game in my life. I did. This is the first time ever that I've played a female character. I am a female. Cool. Uh, not a male Imperial lady, agent. Lady Hawk. It is. It's the, yeah. The fem. The yeah. fem hawk from Dragon Age. So uh, it is. Uh, it is awesome. I'm. I'm really enjoying the Imperial agent story. Um, the intrigue and kind of like just darkness to it all is just so cool. It's so much fun to be in. I, I'm like, I, uh, what would I suggest for anybody new, anybody who might be starting the game who hasn't already started? My best suggestion is much like you would do in D and D or like we, we do in D and D at least is to kind of make a decision about what kind of character you want. Like not class aside or who, who aside, like, how do you want to play in this world? Like, do you want to be like, cause mass effect, I'm very like, it's me. I want to be me as, as Shepard here. I was like, I kind of wanted to be like a little backstabby and a little, like I wanted to be a little like bitter about things. I don't know why I just wanted to play that agent role of like, I didn't want to be the subservient agent, but I didn't want to be the asshole either. I wanted to kind of middle ground that. Nice. So I see my, I, I keep making yeah. these decisions in my conversations that are like, you know, I don't know. I logic them out somehow in my head as to whether like, oh yeah, kill all those people. That's fine. Like, why would I care? Like, I don't care about whether that planet's people live or die. It has no effect on me whatsoever. In fact, it'll probably make it easier for us to come back and take it over at some point. You know, like that's what I've been like playing as and thinking. And it makes my decisions so much more fun and so much more like 
it's cool when I choose dark side, like it makes sense. And it's cool when I choose the light side because it makes sense. You know, like it, it's, you really are role playing at that point. Yeah. That's, that's the fun of yeah, it. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think, um, I haven't gotten too far in the Imperial agent story. I played one in the beta and the, the story for the agent is just a lot of fun because it is, um, it, it is, we have like preconceived notions of a lot, what a lot of characters in star Wars are like, like smuggler. We refer to Han Solo, you know, Jedi we refer to Luke. Uh, there is no real, uh, main character for this Imperial agent. So you really kind of get to really form your own opinion and, and create your well, own. There kind of was in the prequels, right? She was kind of a bounty hunter slash agent. There was, there was a girl who tries to kill princess Amidala. At some uh, point. Yes, I think she was a bounty hunter. Uh, what was her name? Um, was yeah, she a bounty she hunter? Was. She was okay. the shapeshifter one. But yeah, in terms of like, yeah, just yeah. like working for the you know the Imperials and actually being sort of this like we talked about this the other week, but being this sort of like James Bond esque you know gadget using sniper, you know you don't really see that too much in Star Wars. So it's it's kind of cool, kind of right. cool to see. Yeah, uh, I am going to start a Sith Inquisitor again because it was a it was a class I really wanted to play. It was something I was interested in. Um, but I'm, I'm having so much fun. I haven't even, I kind of want to get her, I want to get into like the twenties, thirties too, before I start making an alt and really playing another yeah, storyline yeah. too. So cool. Um, but this, this has completely owned my gaming life. Uh, I have not turned my Xbox on since I've been here, except once I played Assassin's Creed for an hour and that was all I've done on my Xbox at all <laughs> in, in the entire like month wow. that I've been or two weeks, three weeks, whatever that I've been here. So uh, I am loving it. I'm, I've, I haven't been this happy with a game in a, in a long time. It'll do it to you. So. It really will. Uh, I tweeted. When it... I tweeted jokingly that it's a good thing I have a job that I like now because this game would completely own me otherwise. I think I'd, I'd call in sick a bunch and just be like, "Whoa, I can't come in." <laughs> <That'll>, yes, <laughs> I've thought about that many times already. Um, Ash, did you want to say anything? Yeah. Your adventures in in Soul yeah, Soul? I'm um. Uh, geez, I think I hit 43. So I'm, I'm getting close to the, uh, to the level cap, which is kind of crazy. Um, and my story is just awesome. I'm playing as the Sith warrior and I went down the, the juggernaut tree. So I'm technically a tank. Um, but I don't really kind of, I don't really play as a tank. Uh, I'm sort of just like this, you know, just one lightsaber wielding, just like death machine, sort of like a, really fast moving <laughs> Vader. Um, uh, but yeah. the story, uh, like Matt was saying, like I, I kind of went in and, and figured out what I wanted to do exactly before I started the character. And I wanted to see if it was possible to make a, um, a light sided Jedi or just, you know, uh, or, or a light, sorry, a light sided Sith. If it was possible to actually be good as a, as a Sith. And it, it turns out it, it is kind of possible. And that to me is, is phenomenal because my whole story has been, shaped by all these decisions I made, um, early on. And, um, what I discovered is how kind of fucked up, um, the Imperials and the Sith really are like the whole latter half. And I'm not going to really get too spoilery here. The whole latter half is like me killing other Sith and other Sith trying to kill me. And like, I have very little to do with the rebellion at all. And like the way my story is now, I, I have taken, um, I took, uh, a Padawan from a Jedi. And now the Padawan is basically like my Padawan or my apprentice. So I have my own Jedi apprentice 
who's kind of moved over to the dark side, but I'm not really dark side, which is kind of crazy. So I'm running around with the Jedi. And in my storyline, I'm um, allied right now with the Jedi going after the Sith. So it's it's completely it's completely insane. I've been like I'm outcast from the regular Sith order. Um, my old master has kind of uh, forsaken me, and all this crazy stuff has happened. And it's just an incredible roller coaster ride. Like I'm really excited to see um, what happens next. Now the problem with that <laughs> is the time it takes to figure out what the fuck happens next because. It'll take you eight to ten hours to get to the next big chunk of story because you can't out level mm-hmm. like uh, for instance, if you really want to see what happens next and it says, well, the next part of your story is level forty six and you're only forty three well you have to level three times before you you can even attempt to beat that next part of your actual story mission, so that means you're saying it gets it gets pretty hard it does and and because um I had trouble finding some group quests and things like that, I would finish for instance, I did all of Tatooine and all of Tatooine's bonus series um and still was like one level below where I should have been to go to the next planet, and so I had to um yeah. I had to basically just like go out and grind a little bit, which was weird, you know, I didn't really like having to do that, but if you're not doing the flashpoints, which I haven't really been doing. If you're not doing um, a lot of the group stuff, which I unfortunately had to skip a bit, um, you know, it, it's it, it almost feels like to me like there should be more quests on each planet in order to make sure that you're the same level. Because right now you can literally finish well, every quest on a planet, you know. I've heard that doing um, Warzone is good for leveling and uh, actually doing Starship Combat isn't so bad for leveling either if you do the ones at the higher Yeah, levels. that's... Quit pushing your starship combat. Yes. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, I, I would like to get into it, but it, it's um, it's uh, kind of pricey to get your your ship into a, a working order. Um, and I was I was oh. saving for a while because I, I don't know if you guys know this, but the, the to get your first speeder, it's like, what was it, like 25,000 or something like that to get your first speeder? Mm-hmm. Your second speeder is 200,000 credits, which is a lot. And, and then it, as you start to level – your skills cost like my skills now are like twenty six thousand for to get us so it's like it's incredible how expensive things yeah. get so I've been kind of putting off um putting off getting my starship upgraded and stuff but anyway I've been having a great time too uh, I do have some hang ups I mean I wish the game I wish I saw more of the rebels I don't see them very often um I feel like it's there's probably not very many yeah, of them. Which is weird because figure <laughs> yeah. they're you know, we're on a yeah. populated server, you would see more of them, but I don't know where they're all hiding, so it's interesting. So that's it. Yeah, I was uh, uh talking to a friend last night. We we went to dinner and he was asking me what I was playing and I said, oh, I've I've been playing nothing but Star Wars and he started questioning me about it. And uh I, I basically said to him, I was like, Look, I'm not super far in, but it seems like you could do a majority of this game without ever having to really be an MMO player. Like you could play this game and just enjoy it as a game, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like shaking his head, he's like, Oh man, I'm gonna end up getting it, aren't I? And I was like, It's pretty damn good. It's <laughs> like, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you may not be able yeah, to yeah. Uh, avoid it for very long. See, and that and that so. argument's good and bad though, because you know, they're going to run into the problem where, yeah, you can do the majority of the game without being an MMO player and without having to group and all that. But then why are you paying your monthly fee? You know, if you're not, if you're not really um, experiencing a lot of group content, then what exactly are we paying that, you know, $15 a month for? This almost seems though, this almost seems though like the, the 
the MMO to introduce non-MMOers, though. You know, like, like the reason they would pay that fee, I think, is because once they get in the game, people, you will end up playing it as an MMO. Like, whether you like it or not, you're going you're gonna to do flashpoints. You're going to get into certain points where you, you group up, and you're going to make some friends. And I think that that part of the MMO world will start to be introduced to people who normally would avoid MMOs entirely because of the stigma that came along with, you know, an EverQuest or a Warcraft or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we will see. I think that it's just way too early to know anything about that or how big this game's going to end up being, you know, longevity-wise. I do wonder if the issues you're running into with leveling and costs of things are completely on purpose to space out the game so that people don't just, like, power through the entire game really fast trying to get to the I story. think that's exactly what it is. And, like, it really – Scott can probably attest to this, but when you get to places like Tatooine and you get to the Dune Sea, it's like you get on your speeder and you are just driving, like, a good five minutes, even, like, on a speeder. I mean, some places are just colossal. And, like, Hoth, I mean, you yeah. can drive – God, you can drive for a half an hour in Hoth and maybe not hit the end of it. It is just huge. And there's nobody I, there, so it's weird. I will say it's – I will say it's impressive how gigantic these worlds are, but um, the worlds actually have like a purpose to them. You know, like the world, the worlds and galaxies were massive, but they were just wastelands. Yeah. You know, there was there's nothing there. You'd come across like a player city that was like out in the middle of nowhere, but nobody would be actually in the city. Mm-hmm. You know, you would probably stop to buy something, and then you would just keep driving for five minutes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Stop. All right. Well, uh, I think it's a buy for all of oh, us. Oh, definitely, right? definitely. I mean, it's, this is not even even a joke about Pick it up anymore. This is a ridiculously yeah. good I'm, game. I'm sure we'll chronicle our continuing Absolutely. adventures on future. Are we? Are we? I'll wait. I'll put a break in. Are we being public about our yeah, guild yeah, or no? Please. Yeah, we. we oh, okay. I think we tweeted about it and stuff. So. All right. Sword of Ajunta Pale. Look for the fold. Yeah. That is yeah. us. If you want to play along, yeah, that'd be cool. Come, come join yeah. us. I think. The, we used to do this in WoW, Ash, and I don't know if there's a way to do it in, in Star Wars. You would know better than me, but I know in WoW, all the characters we used to have our real names somewhere next mm-hmm. to it. Like, it would say, like, Matt or Matt's alt. Like, is there a way to do yeah, that? Yeah, there is. Star Wars yeah, I think no? Scott may have actually done some of that already. Yeah, I think we should, some, I think we should I think definitely you, do that. You can find it in the guild settings like okay. somewhere in the guild menus there's a way to do that if you click through the tabs on the guild menu and then also somebody in this group is not a general yet i'm just saying oh yeah uh, that's <laughs> I, I made you a lieutenant but i can't make you any higher than a lieutenant that's because you're a general i think you can only go up to oh, okay. like one below your level i don't even know what yeah, they do but i will definitely it. click the plus, the plus button <laughs> so you have magical powers yeah cool, cool. all right all right, let's do our open thread. All right, thread. let's take a quick couple-minute break, and then we will be back with our open thread, which is about cross-promotion in video games. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back with our open thread, which, again, is about uh, cross-promotion in video games. Um, this kind of popped up. Scott and I were sitting there, uh, before Matt got on trying to think of what the heck to ask. And, uh, we started kind of chatting briefly about, uh, cross promotion and such. And we're wondering what you guys in the Twitterverse thought would make, um, for good cross promotion. So we got some good answers. Um, well, I'll start out with mine because I, um, I think it would be amazing to, uh, to see a Gears of War 
and Mass Effect cross promotion. And <laughs> oh, I know. shocker, right? <laughs> shocker. Um, and I, you know, I would just love to see um some sort of in-game armor, some sort of in-game item between these two franchises. It'll never happen ever. Um, ever <laughs> that I could never see that happening. It doesn't even make any sense. But uh, it would be cool to see two of my favorite franchises actually smash together like that. Um, you guys want to go ahead and read through some of these answers that people are saying? Yeah, let's go to let's go to the Twitter wall. Okay. Who's who? Where did where did the wall go? Actually, when we when we all moved, <laughs> uh, I don't you, know. Did you take the wall with you? Is it in a box? Is if that... I did, it doesn't fit anywhere in this apartment. Okay. <laughs> I just want to keep up the appearance that there's actually a Twitter I wall. I know. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. I think everybody yeah. believed it. I mean, because it's real. Of course it is. Uh, man, you it always it always copies and pastes really weird. So the oh, name it's... the name is underneath the tweet, right? Uh, it should be above. No, no, no above, above the tweet. Okay, yeah. Okay. So uh, at Michael Coles says uh, Skyrim Dragon Age, but I guess that's obvious. Yeah, Michael Coles, uh, uh, frequent tweeter and reader, so we appreciate you very much. Um, also, massive Mass Effect fan. As are a lot of our, our <laughs> listeners and readers, and we, we love you guys and appreciate you guys. Um, Skyrim Dragon Age, I think we, yeah, a, a couple months ago we wrote an article uh, when I was like deep in the thralls of Skyrim um, about how Skyrim was sort of missing the soul that is Dragon Age. Because Dragon Age has a lot of great characters and um, a really like emotional story, whereas Skyrim has basically no emotion whatsoever. It's pretty much just like a... Yeah. Uh, just raw fantasy with you know not much of a story at all. Um, so I agree. I think it would be cool to see Skyrim and Dragon Age, um, actually, you know, lending stuff to Mix. one another, which would be neat. Oh, and a neat thing. I was listening to. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and plug. Not that Giant Bob needs us to plug them, but they did actually. <laughs> Giant Bob no, needs our help. They need probably us. Probably one of the top. <laughs> three gaming podcasts <laughs> in, in, on iTunes needs our assistance, but they actually did a half an hour special about kingdoms of Amalur. And they were saying, which I thought was really interesting that um, the kingdoms team actually was uh, talking uh, pretty frequently with the, uh, with, with uh, the team from dragon age about just different ideas and, and making sure that um, conceptually they didn't really step on each other's toes but also kind of learning learning oh, from cool. one another, which I thought was really um, pretty awesome and also very admirable that they're not uh, so competitive that they don't understand that they do have stuff to learn from one another. So I thought that was cool. And that made me yeah. like uh, Kingdoms of Amalur even more that they were that open. So good answer, Michael Coles. Agreed. Uh, Darth Asterix uh, says, Mass Effect and Portal, Commander Shepard with a portal gun. Which actually sounds like a brilliant idea. Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> because they had, yeah, I mean, they had stuff like the, uh, they had like that singularity cannon from from Mass Effect Two. So it seems like, like the portal technology would sort of be present in the Mass Effect universe yeah, somehow. Yeah. You know, did you guys? Um, you probably saw it because it was on our site. But the the picture that Jesse Lamb, <laughs> the picture that Jesse Lamb did with Jack with a portal gun. That that mashup yeah. that was yeah. pretty amazing. Um, I think that would be great, and I'm actually kind of surprised that this has not happened yet because I can see, uh, I can see Bioware and Valve getting along quite well, um, just from an outsider's perspective. So I'm kind of surprised that there hasn't been some sort of Portal Mass Effect um, interaction. But um, I don't know. Good answer though. 
I can't say the word asterisk, so I'm glad you said it, Scott. As- asterisk. See? I barely – What's up tripped, with that word? Over. Matt, can you say asterisk? Asterisk? See? Is that right? I said it right. Asterisk. Yeah, asterisk. Asterisk. That's what the word looks like. Yeah. Like if you pronounce the word risk at the end, you you can really get there. Asterisk. Asterisk. (sighs) It sounds weird when you say it, no matter how you say it. Let's just keep saying it. Asterisk. Uh, Okay. All right. Um, I think we got it. (laughs) All right. I'll read the next one. Next one is from Uh, at Matt Renshaw 4M. Um, Matt says, if only Hello Kitty and Dark Souls could have (laughs) cross-promoted. I think from everything I've read about Dark Souls, I'm not brave enough to have ever played it, but um, it probably could use a little bit of Hello Kitty injection to kind of brighten the spirit of that game because it kind of sounds like a a nightmare. It was fun! (laughs) But it was was not fun enough uh, for you to finish. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I think that... Or no, you can, I want you to hold yours because so, uh, okay. yours is really funny. I like it. Uh, uh, we'll do. I'll, you want me to do mine? How many more we got? I don't want to. Yeah, go ahead and do yours. Yeah, go ahead and do yours. So the the games that I thought would be an awesome mashup would be uh, Half Life and Dead Space. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gordon Freeman inside a Dead Space. I could I could totally totally handle yeah. that. The only thing you need to do to make this happen is you just have Isaac going in one direction with. You know, Gordon Freeman coming in the other direction, watching things. They can exchange a little bit of dialogue, and then they just go their separate ways. <laughs> or like, what if you, what if like the cross promotion was like you got messages from Gordon Freeman inside of Dead Space while you're walking around the ships and stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just think it could be cool. No, I don't know. Cool. Or as that's if Gor- as if Gordon Freeman was the one to blame for everything that's yeah. happened. <laughs> like in the he Dead caused Space the, he caused the rift and everything. And, and yeah. necromorphs and those head crabs are pretty damn similar already. I can definitely see um, yes. a little bit of that happening. I think are we past yes. the age where um like giant morphing globby spiny enemies are like the main foe? Can we please just move on from some to something else at this point? We've no. Never, It'll always be tentacly spine eyeballs, fangs and shit. You know you know who to blame for that, oh, right? God. Resident Evil? Who's that? <laughs> I'm going to vote the thing. Oh yeah, no you're right. You're absolutely right. Blame blame John yeah. Carpenter, yeah. Yeah. I think if we can live in a world that doesn't have head crabs as a as an enemy in the game, like I, I'd settle for yeah. that. Yeah. No head crabs, no flood, like none none of that. <laughs> flood. Yeah. All right, um, Matt, you want to read the next one? Yeah, Jesse Lamb, Axel ninety nine, uh, says a Dead Space and Mass Effect crossover would totally work. I never understood why it didn't Ooh, happen. Scott, I wrote an article you about did. this a long yeah. time ago. I did. About about why this totally needs to happen. I actually did the research to find out, like, as far as timelines go, you know what, you know, if this was technically feasible. And unfortunately, it wasn't because I think somehow Mass Effect takes place three hundred years before Dead Space or something like that. It was really <laughs> weird time calculation, but it, it definitely seems like there should be something. They both take place in space. Yeah, you know, there's like even the some of the artwork between uh, Mass Effect Two and Dead Space uh, Two like looked the same, like. When you're transitioning through levels of the of the ship or whatever, so yeah, yeah. and they're both they're both it would EA, definitely which work. Seemed like it would be nice. I mean, they did do the the Dead Space um, Dragon Age crossover, which was weird, but it was kind of cool. The armor was fun. So uh, if if yeah. if Dead Space Dragon Age can work, then why can't Dead Space Mass Effect work? But l- looks exactly. like Dead Space is going in a whole new direction now, which is crazy. 
Jesse actually gave us two answers. The other one was Metal Gear Rising, Deus Ex, Metal Gear Rising and Deus Ex, or Left 4 Dead and Dead Space, I think. And then also Assassin's Creed and Dragon Age. Just threw down yes. as many as she could possibly yes. throw. <laughs> and then she, she included a link to uh, an awesome piece of art where yeah. she already did the mashup for Dragon Age and Assassin's Creed. Oh, cool. Which is should, awesome. Cool. We, should we totally, will probably uh, post, post that. That, that looks awesome. Good stuff. Yeah, it does. Always with the good answers. Thank you, Jesse Lamb. Um, so who we have? We have um, uh, Andy Smith, who is at Andy the Black. And uh, he says, Mass Effect 3... Oh, or what about a Gears or Gears slash Skyrim cross promotion? He, he was just plugging Mass Effect Three. I think we're gonna get a lot of that. Yeah, we're gonna get a lot of that up until uh, up until March, which is coming up very soon. But Gears Skyrim, wow! Imagine getting a um uh, a dragon shout as Marcus Phoenix. In Gears, In- yeah. <laughs> or or perhaps getting a chainsaw. I was just thinking about like a yeah, retro a retro lancer, lancer yeah. in yeah, Skyrim, which would Skyrim. I would that's all I would use would be a retro lancer. So that would be actually pretty funny. <laughs> it's interesting when they can pull off these cross promotions. Like for instance, the Kingdoms of Amalur uh, crossover, Mass Effect crossover is actually working. Like you look at the armor design and you look at the Omni blades as um, fantasy weapons, and they actually you know, because they have an amazing art team, can pull it off to where it's not totally ridiculous. You know, and when they did yeah. the Dead Space Dragon Age stuff, the the armor looked phenomenal, and it was just sort of reminiscent of Isaac's armor. It wasn't just like... Yeah. But they even... Go ahead. They even wrote, like, a little story for it. They called it, like, Sir Isaac's yeah. Armor. You know cool? what I mean? Like, they, they actually made they made something for it. I think that's really what, what level of creativity we're looking absolutely, for Absolutely, you know? absolutely. So, Scott... Out your your cross promotion. Yeah, mine. I guess mine was more of a mashup than a cross promotion. <laughs> but I I called my game Dragon Age Mario Legends, <laughs> and I I tried to imagine uh you know those cutscenes in Dragon Age where the characters are standing there covered in blood. So you imagine Mario and Luigi just having completed a battle with like <laughs> blood all over their overalls and, and I would caps, love you know I would love to see uh Nintendo style art with like dragon age armor and mario's head on top of it like yeah it would just blow my mind to see that it'd be so like ridiculous a, a fucking dialogue wheel like mario <laughs> mario it's and the way. last option is kill him <laughs> yeah. he just like powers up a fireball and, and toasts a fucking koopa <laughs> but this this game, this game practically makes itself. You just imagine the dark spawn or overrunning Mushroom Kingdom. Man, uh, this is you know, you have me a part actually play part, Mario now. You have like you know Toad is like your companion. Waluigi disapproves of your choices that that would you know approve by Luigi. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like you have definitely have the faction there. If Mario wants to be a darker character, like Wario and Waluigi would obviously side with him. You know. <laughs> This all totally makes uh, sense. I feel like yeah. you've, you've spent a great deal of time actually thinking about this because you had like the whole scenario already painted in your mind. I'm telling you, the game makes it sense. It's, it's totally <laughs> It's pretty, pretty brilliant. I totally want this now. All right, so we're, um, we're, well, with all our breaks and everything, we should be just at the right amount of time. So thank you guys all so much for listening to episode 46 of the Rated NA podcast. Uh, we'll be back now that we have all this technical shit figured out on a, a weekly basis, and we're very excited to say that. So thank you guys so much for listening. Yes, um, you guys want to shout out all of our right. addresses real quick? Yeah, we've got uh, Facebook slash Nerd Appropriate. You can come see us there. 
Uh, the Google Plus link I shouted out before is not right. We don't. There's no vanity links in Google Plus yet. So if you go to Google Plus and search for Neuropropia, it's it's basically a wasteland at the moment. We haven't done anything with it whatsoever, but we'll we'll bump that up. Uh, Twitter.com/slash/nerdappropriate, or you can email us at Ash Scott or Matt at nerdappropriate.com. And uh, iTunes. Yes, right? iTunes as well. Uh, definitely go there and give us and a rate. Zoom. And also, if you guys are planning on attending um, PAX East, we will be there and we'd love to say hey. Um, so just shoot us a tweet at Nerd Appropriate and uh, we'll be at PAX East in a couple months. And uh, yeah, let us know. I mean, if there's interest, we can maybe even do a little hang Yeah, grab, we'll grab coffee. We'll buy you coffee if you tweet us. So, well, yeah, we, we probably could probably can do afford that. the yeah, three cups of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, three cups so, of yes. coffee. So come say hey to us at uh, PAX East. And uh, we will see you guys next, or not see you, but you'll hear us next week. <laughs> yes. All right. Whoa. Later. All right, Bye. we're out.